Thank you for making your way to the HN Podcast. I want to have a little introduction before we get into this one. Um, I was out traveling for my day job all of last week. So a week ago Sunday, which would have been like the, uh, I think, 16th, Steve and I actually recorded two episodes of the podcast. The one you're going to hear today is Steve's breakdown of the uh, upcoming NFL draft that will take place later this week. As he does each and every year, he's going to share that. Uh, We will talk about Iowa's spring game and other things in next week's episode. So I didn't want you to think we were ignoring Iowa's spring game, even though offensively it was probably worth ignoring a little bit but we'll talk about that coming up next week without further ado here is this week's installment of the hn podcast hn podcast i am john miller along with steve dace and steve it is the week of the nfl draft and you are an nfl draft nick i've said this for a number of years i don't really get into it anywhere near the way that you do so i will do my best in this installment of the HN podcast to try and just uh, stay out of your way and let you wax poetic about something that you you really really love the NFL draft. You know, I love it for two reasons. One, it's the perfect merger of my two favorite sports, college and pro football. Number one. Number two. Well, there's three reasons. Two, um, it literally comes exactly at the halfway point of the off season. Which means we're, it, it's a little bit like when I used to make all those trips when I was a kid between Michigan and Iowa, either to see family in Michigan or see family in Iowa, depending on which of the two states we lived in. And you knew, you know, when you got when, when we got past like that oasis outside of Chicago on I-80, yeah. that was like, OK, we're halfway there You're sitting, because back because kids. When, when John and I were growing up, we didn't have 4G Wi-Fi. We didn't watch Netflix in the backseat, okay? You know? Oh, we were and, reading Street and Smith. Yeah, or you had that one, uh, uh, that one, what was it? Uh, Neil Diamond A track No, the football game, the handheld football game. Oh, sure, electronic quarterback. Toleco, yeah, the Toleco Vision game. And yeah. that got boring about, you know, by the time you got to Dubuque, okay? So, you know, you were looking for those markers. So for me, so then the you pulled in the, oa- is, the you pulled in the oasis in in a place known for its uh, massages. <laughs> you you get to that draft, and then it's like next. Then it's like okay, next week is May, and once we get to Memorial Day, n- the next week all the football magazines come out, and the rest of the summer flies by from there. Okay, so and the third reason I love the draft is I'm a Detroit Lions fan. This is our Super Bowl. Right. Our midsummer classic or a midspring classic every year. So those are the three reasons I love it. I love that guys like Mel Kiper Jr. ended up creating themselves as cottage industries. Just, I mean, self-made capitalist men. I love that, you know. So I love the draft. I do. I won't miss a minute of it here here when it comes out this weekend. All right. Well, let's let's jump right into it. Um, your first year position, your looks at positions, your top five players at each position starting at quarterback. Um, no surprise, in my opinion, Deshaun Watson at Clemson. He had he has some tape out there, some of the best job interviews you could possibly have at that position, in my opinion, doing what he's done and performed against Alabama in consecutive years. Then Pat Mahomes from Texas Tech, Mitch Trubisky from North Carolina, Davis Webb of Cal, and Brad Kaye of Miami. I've, I've just been mystified. I, I watch every episode of Path to the Draft on the NFL Network. 
which they de- they debuted that after the uh, combine, and it runs every day like ESPN's College Football Live during the season. You know, it runs every day leading up to the draft, and so I watch all of their experts, and I just I've been yelling at my television screen for the last month and a half, and here's what I'm yelling: over 800 yards and eight touchdowns. Why am I yelling that? Because that's what Deshaun Watson has done the last two years against an Alabama defense in national championship games with literally 20 guys that have been drafted in the NFL, okay? Why the hell do I care that he threw a couple of picks against Boston College, right. man? Can you help John, can you help me with that? Seriously. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, again, I mean, when you look at the talent that Saban has put together on those two defenses, I, I couldn't tell you another quarterback in college football in the last 10 years or 20 years who would have a better resume tape than what Deshaun Watson had considering the, the level of opponent. Matt, Matt Ryan, senior year at Boston College, he threw 28 touchdowns and 17 interceptions in 12 games. That's that's almost exactly what Deshaun Watson's regular numbers were at Clemson prior to the bowl game, but that was in fourteen ga- or thirteen games because you have to count the uh, championship game as well. And uh, and I just I don't get it. I don't. And I love the kid's story. Um, ha- grew up grew up poor in a Habitat for Humanity home. Habitat for Humanity home. Here's a kid. And yeah, he's an athlete. So I mean, he's he's not taking basket weaving, but he probably ain't taking, uh, you know, aerospace engineering like Josh Dobbs did at Tennessee either. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna get your degree in three years at Clemson, you're probably just getting a generic degree. Nonetheless, the amount of time it takes to do that by itself, and he got his degree to keep his promise to his mama that he wouldn't leave school without it. So that meant he had to take extra classes because right. he played as a freshman. So he didn't. This isn't a guy who's a, who's a who's got a year of eligibility because he redshirted. He has a year of eligibility because he's a true junior and he has his undergrad degree. You're, so you, you know what that also tells me? This guy's committed. This guy's not changing because of the money. This guy's ready to be the face of a franchise. This guy's on a mission. He's got he's got that added extra mm, you're looking for. I love the kid. I absolutely just love him. He's a winner. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Um, how many first-round quarterbacks do you think? Well, well you know what? We'll, we'll, you know, let's wait till we get to your your team-by-team picks. We'll do that. Running back, your top five: Dalvin Cook, Florida State; Christian McCaffrey, Stanford; Leonard Fournette, LSU; Joe Mixon of Oklahoma; and Deontay Foreman of Texas. People are going to balk at what I have with Leonard Fournette. Here's my problem with Fournette: one, he's not durable. He's just not durable. Well, Stevie's like Adrian Peterson. Actually, he's about 25 pounds bigger than Adrian Peterson, actually. Um, so his weight fluctuates, shows up at the combine, 240 pounds, 245 pounds. A month and a half later at his pro day, he's 228. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that, okay? That's a lot of weight fluctuation. Um, that tells me maybe you don't have a consistent, you know, uh, you know strength and conditioning effort. You're kind of just reacting to what scouts are saying. I'm worried about the fact that physically he was he was by far the most physically dominant player at his position in college football for three years, and he still couldn't stay healthy. So I'm worried about that. And the other thing that I don't think gets talked about enough, John, there aren't too many teams in the NFL that play a style of offense for him anymore, meaning not too many teams play a style like the Steelers do with Le'Veon Bell. But the way the Steelers do with Le'Veon Bell, he doesn't carry the ball 25 times a game. He carries it 18 to 20 times and catches five or six passes a game. 
There aren't too many I formation, I put it in the belly of my number one tailback 25 times a game teams left in the NFL. There just aren't. In fact, Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook are more in line with what NFL teams ask of their tailbacks nowadays. And I'm so I'm concerned about all of those things. I would not spend a first round pick on the kid, but I think he'll go into the top five or ten. Yeah, I mean, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook to me is the epitome of what you're looking for. Yeah, he's a thicker version of Christian McCaffrey. And this is again where I don't get scouts. So he runs a four five something at this combine. Okay. All I know is that kid, that kid had, had I think, didn't he set the record in college football all time for most runs of 20 yards or more in a career? Okay, so you, you can have your hand held 40 times at the combine, or I can watch this guy just blitzkrieg college defenses every week. What would you prefer? What he actually did on the field or what he ran at a freaking 40 time? What would you prefer? I know what I would. I'd like to see how fast he runs with pads on and a ball in his hand. <laughs> uh, wide receiver, your top five. Corey Davis, Western Michigan. Mike Williams of Clemson, it seems like if you're going to be a good wide receiver, Mike Williams is a good name to have. John Ross of Washington, Curtis Samuel, Ohio State, and Zay Jones of East Carolina. One little top thing I'll throw in here, and I really know very little about these things the way you do. I would say this is a very weak wide receiver draft, no? I would agree with you. Uh, I've got Corey Davis number one because I think he's the best combination of the other two guys. He's not as fast as John Ross. He's not as big as Mike Williams, but he's but he's got enough of both. He's not 6'5", he's 6'3". Uh, he's not 4'2'2", he's 4'4'2". Uh, and what I also like about the fact, I like about Corey Davis is he carried a college football team. That is not easy to do as a wide receiver. He did that at Western Michigan. Um, but, but, but if you like those other two guys better, you won't get an argument from me. I don't think there's a clear number one. I think those three guys are pretty close. You know, again, I don't worry. I don't care that Mike Williams runs a 4-5-1 because if I'm drafting Mike Williams, it's because I'm throwing it up to him in the red zone. And and we saw in the championship game, didn't we, when he did against Alabama's secondary, where all those guys are probably going to get drafted the next couple of years, and they couldn't stop it. Um, and then I look at John Ross. Don't underestimate. John Ross is not, you know, some guy that's just a trap guy. This is a guy that when you watched him at Washington, I mean, he looked like Deshaun Jackson making t- plays after the catch. It wasn't just, I just throw the ball up because you're faster than everybody. There's plenty of times you see him catch 15-yard square ends across the middle, and then he breaks it, for the, breaks it to the house after the catch. My issue with John Ross, is, and the reason I don't have him number one, is he's not really big, and he's had two major surgeries already, so I worry about his durability. Tight end, O.J. Howard, Alabama, Evan uh, Ingram of Ole Miss, David Njoku from Miami, Jake mm-hmm. Budd at Michigan, and George Kittle at Iowa. George Kittle made himself a lot of money back in February. I agree, and he did so in a really deep draft for tight ends. Um, you know, O.J. Howard might be the safest. If you're looking for – if you're if you're an NFL general manager and you're like, man, i got to get this pick right. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this this is uh, – we, we, we need I – need, I need to know – I need a guy – that I know for 10 years is going to play at this in this league at a high level. May not be elite, maybe, but he ain't going to embarrass me. O.J. Howard checks every box, every athletic box, did everything Alabama asked him to do. In a way, O.J. Howard's a little bit like what they used to say about Dean Smith. The only guy that could stop Michael Jordan from getting, tw- from getting 20 a night was Dean Smith. You know what I'm saying? The only guy that could stop O.J. Howard was Lane Kiffin, just not throwing it to him. 
Okay? But we saw when they wanted to, no one could guard that guy. And, he, and, he, and you don't find this a lot with college tight ends anymore. A, not just a willing, but a devastating inline blocker. He is a guy, you know, that if you just need to, if you need a solid, if you're like, I just, I can't blow this pick, he might be the safest pick in the entire first round. Hmm. But the next guy, Evan Engram, I love. Now, he's not a real tight end. By, by, you know, meaning he's not a guy that you know is going to be an inline blocker like a George Kittle for 50 plays in a game. But down the field, he's like Jordan Reed with the Washington Redskins, but faster. An absolute weapon. And even at the NFL level, there aren't too many linebackers that are going to be able to defend him in space. So he's more in line of, you know, O.J. Howard's the total package. They just don't ask that of a lot of NFL tight ends nowadays. Evan Ingram, if you want an you want a example from our childhood, he is the Russ Francis, the Todd Christensen. You remember those guys? Mm-hmm. But fa- but faster. I think he could have a tremendous NFL career. Right. Um, let's. I'm going to accompany this podcast episode on the website with all the things that you've written, so people can read them. We won't have time to delve into them all. But let's get over to your, you know, your mock draft. But before we do, um, you don't have um, Desmond King among your top five cornerbacks. It would seem to me that a lot of the things I've read as of late, um, maybe his star is falling a little bit. I've seen maybe third round. What what have you been hearing about Desmond, or what holes do you think are in his game for the NFL at that position? Maybe he's a safety. Well, I wouldn't worry. I, I, I wouldn't worry as much about it this year as I would many other drafts. This is this might be the deepest corner draft I've ever seen. Okay, in fact, if if I could get through, if I if if I could if I could if I were an NFL general manager anywhere picks one to thirty-two, and I think there are some corners in this draft like uh, Marshawn Lattimore, for example, that are very talented. But but I don't. I think the difference between Marshawn Lattimore. And somebody that's not on my list, like Fabian Moreau, or Jordan Lewis, or um, the, the the Hawkeye we're talking about now, Desmond King. I don't Desmond King. I don't think it's that great. I would try to go the whole first round and not pick a corner if I was in a, if I was in this draft on a, on an NFL team. Now you just you may not be able to do that, but but that's how deep I think that it is. Um, I think that I think if he had come out last year. I don't think there would have, people would have been as eager to, to talk about him being a tweener because it would not have been as deep of a draft at corner. This, this year's draft, you're going to get guys with first-round grades and maybe in the third round because I think once we get beyond the first round, I think you're going to see a lot of the guys get pushed down because I think you're going to see NFL teams say, well, I can get this guy later on. But, but the difference between the number four defensive end and the number nine defensive end is a lot greater than the number two corner and the number seven corner. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's affecting Desmond King. I've, I've, to, I've told you all along here on the podcast that um, I think he's more of a Richard Sherman type of a corner. I don't think he's a man-to-man guy. And, and, you know, Richard Sherman, by the way, well, Steve, Richard Sherman's the best corner in the NFL. Yeah, he was a third or fourth round pick, too. Those kinds of corners don't typically get picked early on. The types of corners that typically get picked early on are the 4-3-5, 4-4 guys that can play bump and run. If you're more, if you're more of a system guy, more of a, a cover two corner, and I think that's what Desmond King is, or maybe even a safety, then if you're more of a tweener like that, you're going to go later. But I also think Desmond King's a guy that – um, it, 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 it can play 10 years in the NFL. I just think it has to be in the right system. 
I just don't think he's a true corner that with the kind of measurables that people look for in this day and age in the NFL. That's all. Let's move on to your mock draft. Um, what you say based on what you would do if you were each team's general manager, the number one pick, the Cleveland Browns. Well, my all-time adage, and I'm going to pause here for just a second, okay? Because I don't, I forgot to put my draft in front of me. Oh, I'll, I'll so, you me to email it to you quick. Yeah, you can do that, or you can just cue me up with what I pick if you okay, want. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll reset that. Let's be quiet for a second. All right, Steve, let's move on to your mock draft. What you say based on what you would do if you were each team's general manager, the Cleveland Browns, number one pick. You have them taking Deshaun Watson, Clemson. Now, this is different than any year I've ever done. I've done mock drafts probably for 20 years. But I've, I've, ne- I've always tried to guess what I thought teams would do. This time I wanted to do one, what would I do if I were in their shoes? And so that means I'm adjusting to my own draft board. Um, and that also is, is why Des, or Deshaun Watson's my number one player, because I'm a firm believer in what John Gruden once said. If you are picking in the top five and you don't have a franchise quarterback, you must pick a quarterback. You must. You, you simply cannot win. For every time a team has gotten to the Super Bowl, Jake DeLome or, or um, uh, you know, um, who was the guy that uh, – the, the uh, Ravens went to the Super Bowl with one year. They used to be with the Buccaneers, so I think it's a great NFL analyst now. I can't remember. Trent, uh, Trent Dilfer. Trent Dilfer. For every time you get to a Super Bowl with Jake DeLome or Trent Dilfer, uh, 20 times you don't. You have to have a franchise quarterback. And for all the reasons we just talked about Deshaun Watson, to me, he is ready to assume the mantle of the face of the Browns. Think about this. Prior to Deshaun Watson... Clemson was a verb in college football. We called it Clemsoning. We don't talk about that anymore. That, that tells me he's ready. He's ready to assume the responsibility of being the face of that franchise and the moribund aspect of it and all of the pressure that goes along with it. That's why I pick him number one. Number two, the 49ers. You have them going with Miles Garrett of Texas A&M. Well, I think if, if the if, – if, if, if this were to be how the draft would go, and even if it's not, John Lynch, you know, the uh, 49ers are trying to do what my Lions tried to do 15 or 18 years ago, hire a, a decorated former player that was a w- well-respected TV analyst and put him in charge of your franchise. I hope it works better with them and John Lynch than it did with us and Matt Millen, okay? But, you know, I've got to think John John Lynch, that's another team. They don't have a quarterback. But I, I, I but he's a defensive guy. He's going to want to pick the best defensive player available. And I think the difference in grade between Miles Garrett and, say, Mitch Trubisky or Pat Mahomes, who I love Pat Mahomes, but Pat Mahomes is high risk, high reward. I think, to me, he's got, he's got one of the most unique skill sets I've ever seen in a college quarterback. I think he could be a revolutionary player, or he could be a Keeley Smith man or Ryan Leaf. T- total flame out. So if you're John Lynch and, and, and this is your first pick, you got to get it right. And so you go with Miles Garrett. But here's the thing I'm worried about with Miles Garrett. Now, there's only three players in the history of the SEC that have more than 30 career sacks, and two of them are in this draft. Derek Barnett of Tennessee is the other, and the third guy, not too bad, Reggie White. He was pretty good. But what I worry about Miles Garrett, the last two years against Alabama and LSU, one sack combined. 
Hmm. I'm worried about that. Okay. Indeed. Um, number three, the Bears, you have them taking Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback, Ohio State. And this is where I just said earlier, if I could get away with it, I would try not to pick a corner in, this, in the first round of this draft. But the, uh, to me, their secondary, it's a glaring weakness. And I'd, I'd be okay if they wanted to go with one of the top safeties here. But when you're in a division right now where you have Aaron Rodgers – um, who is playing on? Who's another an, another level, another world player? In the last two years, Matt Stafford. Last three years, really. Matthew Stafford has played like a former number one overall pick in the NFL draft. You're going to play those guys four times. You've got to have a. You've got to have some help in the secondary. And the Bears just have been abysmal there for several years now. Number four, Jacksonville, going with Jonathan Allen, defensive tackle, Alabama. Yeah, he lost Jared Odrick in free agency. And we know, you know, Tom Coughlin's running the show there now. We know he loves defensive linemen. I know everybody's got Leonard Fournette mocked here. But if I were if, if I were Jacksonville, I love Jonathan Allen. And that's another, to me, guys talking about his shoulder injury, that smacks of me of, of scouts trying to create a narrative so that maybe he will drop into like seven, eight, or nine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, he's a, I think he's a guy, a Warren Sapp type, you build your defense around for 10 years. Number five, the Titans from the Rams, Corey Davis, wide receiver, Western Michigan. Tennessee, I think, is the team to watch in the first round because they were 9-7 and seven last year. They almost made the playoffs last year. They've got, they've got the offensive backfield. they got Mariota. They've got, um, you know, uh, DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry in the, at running back. They're set there. They've got the playmaking tight end. Um, and so the, with Delaney Walker, the, 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 they are almost there. And they're in a division where Houston now, they're not Tony. They're out of the Tony Romo sweepstakes with him retiring. Um, Indianapolis is kind of rebuilding there. And Andrew Luck has kind of slipped the last couple of years. They're in a division where they can take the next step and win a lot of games and get a home playoff game. They've got two glaring holes, corner and wide receiver. And it just so happens they have two first-round picks. So Tennessee, to me, is a team to watch in this draft that could be the, the, team, the next team to take a next step like the Raiders did last year. Here I have them taking Corey Davis. They have to get a number one receiver for Marcus Mariota a guy that he can build a career rapport with. And I think the best receiver in the draft is Corey Davis. Number six pick, the Jets, Solomon Thomas, defensive end, Stanford. Yeah, if you're the Jets, um, they need a quarterback badly. But if you're ownership, this might be a case where you say, you know what, we're going to suck this year. And we know it. We know we're going to blow. Let's just take the best player on the board right now. And I love Solomon Thomas. At Stanford, and to me, what I see, what I see with him, relentless motor, and I think he can play every position on the defensive line other than nose. So if I were the, if I'm the Jets, you know you're sucking, mass suckage coming. Let's just get the best player on the board right now, and 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 we'll get our quarterback next year when we're when we're because if uh, here's what I'm thinking about the Jets. Do I want to take my chances with Mitch Trubisky now? Or if I'm going to suck next year, let's just go draft Sam Darnold next season. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'd be thinking. Panthers, or I'm sorry, the Chargers at number seven, Forrest Lamp, offensive lineman, Western Kentucky. Uh, not a bad, yeah, Western Kentucky, number seven. 
Watch that kid's tape against Alabama. He didn't just hold his own. He dominated at times. I think he could potentially play every single position on the offensive line. I think he's the best offensive lineman in the draft. Hmm. That's not bad. Number eight, Panthers. Derek Barnett, defensive end, Tennessee. I know a lot of people that don't have Fournette going to Jacksonville have him going here. But, I mean, Carolina's built their entire franchise on defense, and having Cam Newton hasn't sucked. But that's their calling card. You got a guy sitting there on the draft board who's one of only three players in SEC history to have 30 career sacks. That just seems like a marriage. Um, Moving on to number nine, the Bengals, Cam Robinson, offensive tackle, Alabama. Well, there's, we know from last year's gun and marijuana arrest, he's got some off-field issues. That, and that's the Bengals have sort of built their franchise on that. Now, last year snapped a string of five straight playoff appearances, but they've done it by drafting Vontes Burfix and guys like that that a lot of people took off their boards because of off-field concerns. And I think Cam Robinson's the best pure tackle in the draft. Um, and I just think he's slipped on some teams because of, uh, people have concerns about him off the field. But the Bengals have shown that they know how to manage that. And, and they lost both of their best offensive linemen this year to free agency. Number 10, the Bills, Jamal Adams, safety, LSU. Uh, their secondary was just atrocious last year, just terrible. And you're going to play Tom Brady twice. You have to be better than that. And what I like about Jamal Adams, to me – um, I don't know that I think there's a Sean Taylor type of safety where I re- he just reinvents your entire defense, builds around him. But I think he's the closest to it. I, I think that if Malik Hooker is your classic ball hawking safety, and if Jabril Peppers is your um, Earl Thomas, Troy Palomalu in the box safety, Jamal Adams has has a little bit of both of those aspects to his game number 11 saints reuben foster linebacker alabama one of my favorite players sean i just i love him nasty in fact when he went to the combine and blew up at at the medical and that dropped his stock i liked it i liked it you know why i liked it dude I, we're drafting dudes here you know what i'm saying i mean you know, um, uh, that, that almost reinforced to me that the guy has an attitude problem in a good way. I just, I like him. And you know what? Go watch the first half of the national championship game. And dude is just going all Bob Sanders out there on purpose. Lighten up Deshaun Watson. It was because he was trying to set a tone right away. Hey, we're Alabama and you're not. To me, I, I, that's, that's who I want. Mike Singletary. Brian Urlacher, a couple Bears fan, couple Bears shout-outs there. But Chris Spielman, he reminds me of – in fact, one of my New Year's resolutions this year is to compare more white players to black players and black players to white players because I'm tired of – you can only compare guys to guys with the same skin color. He reminds me of a more athletic Chris Spielman, my all-time favorite Detroit Lion. He's just a dude, man. He's a dude uh, with a bad attitude, and he goes out there every Sunday with this idea, with this notion – Somebody has to pay for what he can't tell you. He can't tell you for what. <laughs> but every Sunday, somebody has to pay. I want that guy on my football team. Browns back again. Trade from an Eagles uh, or pick from Eagles. Jabil, Jabril Peppers, safety, Michigan. Well, you get the you get the face of your offense, and now you get a guy that get, that is the alpha, the face of your defense. You go back and watch the NFL scouting combine, 
It was like he was the team captain of the defensive backs. Everybody deferred to him. And I think if you're Cleveland, your number one thing beyond just talent is you need to draft guys that are capable of reinventing your brand, capable of being the face of a new era, capable of convincing not just your fans, but the people inside your own locker room that things are different now. And Peppers is capable of that. Also, he's a guy that uh, what he offers to you in the return game, overall athleticism. If you come out of here, would you, he also has a life story similar to Deshaun Watson's. You know, losing his brother to, 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 uh, to gang violence uh, as a kid and what he overcame. Now you've got two guys, articulate, intelligent, excellent students as well as great athletes. Now you have sent a signal. One's on each side of the ball. You have sent a signal now. We are not the same Cleveland Browns. Cardinals at 13, O.J. Howard, Alabama. Carson Palmer is going to be, I think, 38 when this season starts. Uh, They lost their tight end, Darren Fells, to the Lions, actually. They need a weapon. They need somebody. They need to – to me, the Cardinals have to do one of two things. Either draft Carson Palmer's replacement, and I'd be okay with that too, or you have to draft a player that, that takes your offense to another level this coming year because they've got a lot of guys with ending free agency. Their window is starting to close to contend. And I think O.J. Howard is that kind of a player for Arizona. 14 Eagles from the Vikings, Dalvin Cook, running back, Florida State. I, I just look at, you know, they, what, Dalvin Cook to me is, is LaShawn McCoy. I think, it's, I think it's almost, I mean, they're almost exactly the same player. And they lost LaShawn McCoy. And, and now, now you've given Carson Wentz, who you just invested, invested a lot in as your franchise quarterback, you've given him a quarterback's best friend. A reliable running game. I think that'd be an excellent pick for them. 15, the Colts, Malik Hooker, safety, Ohio State. Well, their new GM has made it clear he wants to, he wants to beef up the lines. But when you've got a guy with a nose for the football that can turn you over, like we saw Malik Hooker, um, I mean, he was arguably the best. He was arguably the, the most explosive offensive player Ohio State had last year, other than Curtis Samuel, and he didn't play a single snap of offense. Okay, I mean, with the way that guy could flip the field, I mean, get the way he could create turnovers, uh, defensive scores, that's just too much talent for the Colts to pass on at that position. Ravens at 16, you've got them taking Jordan Willis, outside linebacker, Kansas State. One of the guys, now, my most underrated player in the whole draft is Dalvin Tomlinson at Alabama, because I think he's got almost as much ability as Jonathan Allen. But I think because of Jonathan Allen, he was asked to not assert himself, but to be more of a plugger, more of a gap guy, you know? And who am I, you know, it's a little bit like um, uh, a few years ago for Iowa. Who was the end I'm thinking of that ended up being a top pick of the Buccaneers to play, and play with Jonathan Babineau? Do I have that right? Okay. Oh, yeah, um, Adrian uh, Claiborne. Adrian Claiborne. But Babineau is the guy that's still playing at a high level in the NFL. You know, and, and because you had Claiborne, Babineau was kind of asked to maybe not assert himself as much. And I think, I think Dalvin Tomlinson's going to be an excellent pro. I think Deshaun Kaiser's the most overrated prospect in the draft. But I bring that up because the other most underrated prospect in the draft, I think, is this guy. And I think if this guy had put these kind of numbers up at Florida State, I think he'd be a top 10 pick. And he may not go in the first round. And the thing is, 
He's not even a, well, he was at Kansas State, effort player. Dude went to the combine and ran faster than any defensive end at the combine as well. Ran faster than Miles Garrett. So he's got the measurables, had outstanding production. To me, that's a guy that, now there's concerns, he's a little light, maybe can't play the edge against the run. So I'm looking at a team right now that needs a pass rusher. Terrell Suggs getting long in the tooth. If you're Baltimore, this year he's your situational pass rusher. You get him in your program, you beef him up in a couple of years, and now he's a four-down player. But I love Jordan Willis. I love him. One of my favorite players in the draft. 17, Redskins, Christian McCaffrey, running back, Stanford. Uh, Again, this this has been a gaping hole for Washington for several years. Every year it's a new starting tailback. He is exactly what NFL teams are looking for in a running back nowadays. I just don't think he's quite as physical as Dalvin Cook, so I have him rated below. But um, with everything else they have, you know, you got, and, and that window is closing too because Kirk Cousins is probably gone after this year. So if you're going to lose Kirk Cousins and you've got to bring in a rookie next year or if somebody you're going to get in free agency, well, now you've got the franchise tailback, just like we talked about with their division rival, giving Carson Wentz Dalvin Cook. So, not, so for this year, you give Kirk Cousins a weapon that makes your offense instantly better. But then when you have to switch quarterbacks next season, that guy's already there to be your security blanket. Um, number 18, Titans, Marlon Humphrey, cornerback, Alabama. Well, now if you're, if, you're, if you're Tennessee, we said they were two, play, two positions away from taking the next step after going nine and seven. We said those two positions were what? Wide receiver and corner. And they've answered both of those challenges in the first round. So, you know, Marlon Humphrey is the son of Bobby Humphrey. That's how old we're getting, John. Hmm. Yeah, that is old. Um, break out the Tecmo Bowl. Buccaneers, Tacarus McKinley, outside linebacker, UCLA. The only issue with Tack McKinley is um, the shoulders of the pec surgery. Will he be ready to go for the start of the season? If so... Um, that guy just lived behind the line of scrimmage at UCLA last year. The other concern, though, you have with him is he took a huge step from his sophomore to junior year, meaning he wasn't even on anybody's draft radar heading into last season. And so was he a one-hit wonder? Was he just a late bloomer? But, I mean, he's got everything you're looking for in a situational pass rusher. Moving on down to the Broncos at 20, Garrett Bowles, offensive tackle, Utah. This is, this is one of the easiest picks to make in the first round. I'd be, I may not have the right name, but I would be shocked if, the, if Denver's first-round pick was not an offensive lineman. And it's just a matter of, now to me, the guy who's the perfect fit is Forrest Lamb. But he's gone in my draft. So are they willing to trade up for him or hope that he falls to them? But I got to believe, whether it's at this spot or somewhere else, Denver's first-round pick is going to be an offensive lineman. Lions at 21, Zach Cunningham, linebacker, Vandy. They have to come out of this draft with a three-down linebacker. You know, I love I loved what they've done in the offseason, and you know I don't say that a lot about my Lions. But I thought this year, I thought looking at what was in this draft and what was in free agency, the Lions had two major holes – Playmakers on defense and offensive line. And I thought, given the dearth of quality offensive linemen, and there were several really good ones in free agency, spend your free agent money on offensive linemen, 
and then use this draft for defensive playmakers. What did they do? They went out there. They got probably the two best offensive linemen out there in free agency, and they got them for less money than the guys they lost signed for elsewhere. And that means they can now focus on defense. Now, my dream player for the Lions to come out of this draft with is Reuben Foster. Three down linebacker, and he brings, he brings an attitude. He, he has a – imagine Pat Angerer in an Alabama prospect's body. And that's what, that's what Reuben Foster is for Hawkeye fans. If you want to know why I love him so much, that's why. He's angry, but he's an elite-level athlete. The Lions would have to trade up for him, though. The closest thing to him now is probably Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt. Dolphins at 22 with Hassan Reddick, linebacker, Temple. You know, Hassan Reddick, so we can try to localize this more, he is, he's kind of, you know, you look at what Matt Rule there did at Temple. In many respects, he's, he, he built kind of a Chris Doyle, Iowa type of program. Guys that were just not very highly regarded recruiting-wise, but just developed into studs and, and just mean, tough guys. And Hassan Reddick is one of those guys. And, and you wonder, how did, how did colleges miss out on this guy? Because he went to the combine and just lit it up after having huge numbers in college. And they didn't just miss in the guy. Temple just knew how to develop him. Similar to what you've seen at Iowa, do with guys like Pat Anger and others in the Chris Doyle program. And, and Hassan Reddick is one of those guys. After Reddick, we go to the Giants at number 23, Ryan. Gosh, why can't, why can't, why can't I never get his name right? Ram, Ramchick. Offensive tackle, Wisconsin. Yes. To me, the Giants have to come out of this with something that boosts their running game. Has to. Whether it's a tailback or an offensive lineman. What worries me about Ramchick, um, even though he comes from a school that has a huge, tremendous legacy of supplying NFL teams with offensive linemen, it goes back almost 20 years now. Actually, it does go back 20 years now. But what worries me about him, one-year wonder. Transferred in, played one year at, at Wisconsin, and then got he's hurt right now. He's supposed to be back to the start of the year. So he doesn't have that body of work of a lot of guys that we've seen come out of the Badger program, you know, that had that two, three, four-year development. But because of the dearth of offensive linemen in this draft, he's absolutely going to go in the first round somewhere. Raiders, Gary and Conley, cornerback, Ohio State. You want to have your mind blown? Stop and think about the fact that last year, Ohio State could have had guys like Eli Apple, Marshawn Lattimore, Gary and Conley, and Malik Hooker in their starting secondary. Wow. Think about that. That's, that's even beyond what, like, the U used to have when we were kids. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy stuff. You know? So, oh, for whatever reason, they know how to identify defensive back talent at Ohio State. That is pretty darn good. Texans... Going with Pat Mahomes, you have them going with quarterback Texas Tech at number 25. I think, just as I said, it's pretty obvious that this pick for Denver is going to be an offensive lineman, just a matter of which one. This pick for Houston is going to be a quarterback, just a matter of which one. I like Pat Mahomes a lot. And I think under – now, he's a high-risk player. But I think with Bill O'Brien as the coach, um, I would trust that marriage because I, I think he can develop him. And he has what O'Brien likes. O'Brien likes big-armed guys that can move, and that is Pat Mahomes. And he's, got, he's kind of a cross between Matthew Stafford and Brett Favre in that he's actually better outside the pocket throwing sidearm and unconventionally 
at times than he is sitting in there for four or five seconds reading a defense. But he's raw. He's going to have to be coached up. And the one thing you do worry about if you're the Texans is you probably cannot afford to develop him. You probably have to play him this season. But I would trust Pat O'Brien. I would trust Bill O'Brien. I'm sorry, Pat O'Brien. I would trust Bill O'Brien there than I would a lot of other coaches in the NFL to develop that. Number 26, Seahawks, Dory Jackson, cornerback, USC. Well, they're talking about trading Richard Sherman, and I think they're talking about it enough that I think they're serious about it. And if they don't trade him, I think it, then he's gone next year probably in 2018 anyway. So, uh, obviously, USC is a school that uh, um, their current head coach knows a thing or two about. And in Adoree Jackson, you have a guy that probably needed another year of college to develop. And much like Jabril Peppers, probably was hurt in his development because his school asked him to do a lot of stuff other than just play one position. Hey, they asked him to play some receiver. They asked him to play returner. But um, he might be the most physically gifted corner in the entire draft. He just needs his skill sets a little underdeveloped. Chiefs at 27, Mike Williams, wide receiver, Clemson, and they could certainly use a playmaking wide receiver. Yeah, this is if you follow, you know, you follow, uh, you know, their head coach's career going back to when he was in Philadelphia. Now yeah, Andy Reid. And this is not an Andy Reid pick at all. But if you have this guy fall to you there, what is the one thing they don't have? They got the running game. They got the tight end and Kelsey. Now you've got Tariq Hill, who is a guy that is a Percy Harvin kind of a talent all, uh, that you can give to all over the field. What's the one thing they don't have? And Jeremy Macklin is kind of your Deshaun you know, Jackson get down the field threat. What's the one thing they don't have? The, the, uh, the back corner fade too. Um, you know, the, the throw it up guy too. That's the one thing they – you know, when, listen, when you are the only team in NFL history to lose a home playoff game, when you score two more touchdowns than your opponent, that tells me you need, a, you need another playmaker. If this guy were to fall to you, I know that Andy Reid does hates taking receivers in the first round, but this is such a missing link pick, it's a no-brainer. 28 Cowboys, Taco Charlton, defensive end, Michigan. I think if you're the Cowboys, you just got to come out of this the best defensive player available. I think offensively, with your with the offensive line, Dak Prescott, Des Bryant, you have a Hall of Fame tight end. You got the the reigning rushing champion in the NFL, or uh, rookie of the year in the NFL. I don't think he ended up winning the rushing title, but your offensive set. You you are drafting best defensive player available here. And I think if you're the Cowboys, you get Taco Charlton, who is, uh, I think, a little overrated, having watched him a lot at Michigan. So I've seen predictions where he goes somewhere in the top 15. That's a little high for me. But down here, where you're getting a guy that knows how to rush the passer with long arms, at 28, I think he's a great value pick. 29, Packers, Tredavious White, cornerback, LSU. Their secondary was just a mess, man. I mean, it was a hot mess. Uh, it was abysmal to watch. And you saw the way the Falcons just finally exposed that in the NFC Championship game. So I know Green Bay likes best player available, but right now they really need that best player to be defensive back help somewhere. Steelers at 30, Mitch Trubisky, quarterback, North Carolina. To me, the perfect player for the Steelers is, is Peppers because they need a safety. They have a history of in-the-box safeties with Troy Palomalu, but he's gone in my draft. So I think the next thing you got to do is when your franchise quarterback – has talked for two years in a row now about retiring in the offseason. 
and he takes as many hits, and he's 35 years old. And that, that, you've, you've got to get your replacement for Ben Roethlisberger. And I think you, Mitchell Trubisky, that's a guy where you can groom him for a year, you can afford that luxury, and you've got him ready to go in 2018. 31 Falcons, Charles Harris, defensive end, Missouri. Uh, I think this is a luxury pick for Atlanta. They don't really have a lot of glaring needs except for one. And you saw in the second half, hold on, Tom Brady still has time to throw. Uh, you saw that in the second half. They came up one pass rusher short. Now, the knock on Charles Harris has one of the fastest, quickest first steps of any pass rusher in the draft. But uh, he's a liability against the run. Good news. I'm picking at 31 in the first round. I don't need him to play four downs because I'm already a playoff team. What I need for him to do is to come in at the end of a game when I'm trying to close out a team and stop him on that last possession and just go get the quarterback. And that's exactly what Charles Harris can do. And the last pick, the Saints at 32 from the Patriots, John Ross, wide receiver, Washington. Well, a bit of, a bit of uh, karma here. The, the Patriot or the Broncos, or I'm sorry, the Saints got this pick because they traded Brandon Cooks to the Patriots, and so now you ha- now you have a, a bit of a hole. You've are, you, and, and so what do you do? Well, you got John Ross, who's a Brandon Cooks clone, but faster. And and so don't don't mistake John Ross. I know sometimes we see these guys, you know, like uh, Darius Hayward Bay at Maryland several years ago. These guys, they don't put up, they're not real, real wide receivers. They're just track guys. And so they put up these combine times, and then we don't see the production. This guy had, had 17 top touchdowns last year at Washington. He ran a legitimate route tree. He made guys miss after the catch. He wasn't just, hey, you're faster than every college DB, so we throw it up to you. No, this guy's a legit wide receiver and would be a weapon for Drew Brees. All right, that'll be it. As I mentioned, I will put Steve's verbiage to accompany this podcast that you can find at HawkeyeNation.com. Look under the top right under the podcast sections, and it will be there. And uh, what do we say, Steve? If you get six or seven um, dead-on right names, right slots, that's really good, right? Yeah, change your name to Isaiah if you do that, okay? Uh, especially if you do it the way I do it, where I'm, I'm picking who I would pick and not who I think they're going to pick. And we should mention, because people may be wondering, because of some travel conflicts, you and I are going to share our thoughts on Iowa's spring game next week on the podcast. That is correct. Thank you for saying that. We will do that then. Uh, some business to take care of. So we'll delay the Iowa podcast that you probably came here looking for. Uh, I will probably add an edit to the front of this podcast just so you don't think that we're crazy and we are missing the elephant in the room. For Steve, I'm John. As always, thanks for listening.